Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Bethany Moore. She is Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association, the NCIA. We're going to talk a little bit about the NCIA in general, um, what Bethany does to help really facilitate the engagement with industry around communications and the different committees and uh, events that they put on. I'm really excited about this conversation because I think that as this industry grows and expands, how we organize, how we align, how we really put our efforts together to really develop this industry, mature this industry, evolve it in ways that are going to be you know, not only healthy for business, but healthy for customers, consumers, patients, and the people that use cannabis is going to be really important because we've got a lot of things going on in the world of cannabis these days. So I'm sure there's a lot of moving pieces at the uh, NCIA. We're curious to hear kind of what the areas of focus are and, and how they're kind of tackling things. With that, Bethany, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce, for having me. 
Yeah, it's a pleasure. So before we kind of dive into what you're doing there and uh, kind of everything that's going on in the world of cannabis right now, give us a little backstory. Tell us about the NCIA, what its purpose is, about you, what your background was, how this all came together. Give us the story. Sure. Yeah. So NCIA, the National Cannabis Industry Association, was founded about 11 years ago in the year 2010 by Aaron Smith and Steve Fox and some other folks who were already in the cannabis movement, who were already working primarily at the state level to push reform. And they thought ahead and said, you know, we're going to need a trade association. Every industry has a trade association, sometimes more than one. Um, You know, the Bricklayers Association, Accounting Association, Marketing Professionals. And what trade associations do is provide education and networking and often policy and advocacy. In our case, we have a government relations team in Washington, D.C., Michael Correa, Michelle Rutter-Freeberg, Morgan Fox is our director of media relations, Madeline Grant. So they typically are going to meetings with with members of Congress and their staffers and lunches and this, that, the other to advance federal policy reform for our industry. So the Safe Banking Act, which I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of, this has been introduced on the House side many, many times, hasn't quite passed through the Senate, but this is an important piece of legislation that, uh, you know, that's kind of our baby. We helped name it. We had, a, we had our hands in the process of creating this bill that would provide safe harbor for the cannabis businesses and banks that would like to work with each other. So we have all that fun stuff going in our nation capital. And we also have trade shows where we can bring thousands of people together for panels and expo floor, oohs and ahs, as well as all the education like webinars. And I host our weekly podcast on cannabis radio, interviewing somebody in the cannabis industry every week. We, we have industry reports that we're publishing. Our committees are going wild, thinking ahead for our industry yeah. as well. So there's a lot going on. And I mentioned that our founders had a background already in the cannabis movement. In fact, many of the NCIA staff that are still there also do as well. My story in the early 2000s, I was living in the D.C. area, Maryland. It was probably about 2002 or 2003 when I started getting involved in medical patient cannabis advocacy. And it wasn't cool back then, let me tell you. Like, <laughs> like cannabis is cool now. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it's some friends looking at me a little bit weird. So, yep. But here we are. It's paying off. And um, I joined the team in January of 2014. So I will be coming up on eight years at NCIA in wow. January of 2022, which is hard to believe as well. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm curious, who are members? Like when, when you talk about, you know, members of the NCIA, like who are members? Like what does that mean to be a member? Give me a sense of kind of the community that you've, you've built up uh, inside the organization. Yeah. So members are companies typically. So that would be our direct-to-plant companies, of course, who we represent the most, your cultivation facilities, your dispensary operators, manufacturers of tinctures, edibles, extracts, even analytical laboratories. We consider these all plant touching. But of course, there's a whole host of other types of companies like software providers, marketing support, technology, 
accounting, legal services, it goes yeah. on and on. They are also members of NCIA. So we have our direct-to-plant operators as well as all the ancillaries that are dedicated to serving the cannabis industry or at least have a set-aside department, you know, like these larger law firms or things like that. Sure. They've decided to create an office within their large law firm, just as an example, to dedicate to cannabis. Yeah. And how do you balance or when you, you know, are, are working with members of Congress and developing policies? Are, are you looking at the industry overall or are you primarily focused on kind of needs and interests of members? Like, how do you how do you balance that? All of the above, I think. I mean, of course, we represent our members and the work we do wouldn't be possible without our members, really. So, yeah. but, you know, we look ahead uh, and there's other pieces of legislation that come up that don't necessarily directly impact the bottom line or ability to to operate like veterans access to cannabis kind of separate from you know your day-to-day banking issues for example or 280e of the tax code or medical research we advocate for advancing medical research and increasing the number of universities and and so on that can do this kind of medical research inside the United States. So those are just an example of, you know, some of the further reaching legislative priorities that we work on as well as the well, let's deschedule, let's legalize, <laughs> yeah. let's let's uh let's get banking, let's let's fix the tax code, those kinds of more um, concrete things. Yeah. Is there anything you don't get involved in? I'm just kind of curious what, where, if you've set any kind of boundaries or limits to say, look, we're, we're just not going to get involved in this aspect of the industry or this level of the industry. That is a great question. Honestly, nothing is coming to mind, but yeah. if it does, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of curious because it is, it's such a vast industry and it seems like there's so many priorities or, or so many things that could be a priority. Um, I'm sure you know, half the battle for your organization is is choosing, right? Like how, which battles yes. do we fight? Which battles do we prioritize? Where do we spend our time and money and energy? And in and, and software, we always talk about the peanut butter problem. Like I don't, I don't want to be, you know, super thin over too many things, right? Like I, I want to create enough substance that, you know, that it's, it's making an impact. But tell me about the kind of the history of how things evolved in the organization. You, you've been there, you know, eight years now. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you have grown and changed just like the industry has grown and changed. Any particular kind of highlights or transformations that you've had to evolve as, a, uh, as an organization? Well, you know, I think a lot of cannabis companies know what that startup phase is like the first few years where, you know, you're, you're lean and you're, you only have a few folks on staff and everybody's wearing multiple hats at once. That was certainly true. I think I was employee number five at NCIA. As more and more states began to legalize and the domino effect started to roll, of course, that created more market opportunities for there to even be more members of NCIA. So as more states and more emerging markets passed their laws and developed their regulations and launched their businesses, that allowed NCIA to expand. So our trade shows got a lot bigger, (laughs) Um, at least (laughs) pre-COVID. Yes, and we're not even the biggest trade shows in the market. Of course, MJ BizCon is gigantic, but you know, we're we're right behind. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're right behind uh, with our Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. In fact, we're coming back after COVID um, this December 15th, 16th, and 17th. So it's it's safe enough for us to gather again as long as we yeah. have these extra precautions. Yeah, I know I've been to several events and I know the 
people have various protocols and, you know, asking for a proof of vaccination and stuff. So, you know, hopefully we can continue to kind of meet and, and start to gather in person. It's just such a difference. You know, it's, you know, doing things online is, you know, can be quite efficient and it's obviously, you know, you don't have to travel, but there's something about getting it together in person. So I'm excited that you guys are putting on the events. Yeah. I mean, humans are social beings and yeah. you can only handle so many Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how much are you focused on kind of the national federal side versus the state by state? I mean, we just like each state is so different and is at such a different level and different kind of issues and policies. Like how how do you kind of balance the the federal needs and the federal efforts versus the state by state efforts? Yeah, actually, we're 100 percent focused on the federal. So I yeah. guess to answer your earlier question, we rarely get involved in the state level laws. I mean, the few exceptions that come to mind is we did coordinate some fundraising for the state of Michigan to pass their ballot, uh-huh. but that was that was strategic move. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's a huge state. People don't think about how big Michigan is, but it's yeah. it's poised to come, you know, right behind California as far as the ability to generate business. So, um We did uh, work with the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association, the state-level association, to do some fundraising to really Mm -hmm. push push that over the finish line. But typically, we are not involved in the passing of state laws. That typically has gone to a more grassroots kind of effort. There are other organizations like Marijuana Policy Project, Americans for Safe Access, Normal, that have gotten more involved at the grassroots state level to get the ball rolling to pass those laws. And the way I like to describe it is once the laws are passed, that's when NCIA steps in. Once you've passed cannabis, now you're about to have an industry. Now NCIA comes in to say, here's what Here's what the folks that have been doing this for a long time can tell you so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. So, so let's talk about what's going on at the federal level. I mean, we've had um, uh, obviously a, a change of administration. Uh, mm-hmm. I think people were hoping for a lot of things you know, at that point. I mean, where, where I guess kind of paint the landscape for us in terms of how uh, NCI has been kind of kind of looked at the map of what's going on, the areas of focus. What are they? What are the things that you're really working on in terms of developing federal policy? Sure. So we do have a long list of priority legislation, bills that have been introduced that we care about, that we continually work with members of Congress, get more co-sponsors, things like that, work toward getting yes votes. The newest, most exciting, sexiest bill on the block is the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, or the KOA, I think we're trying to call it for short. Okay. It really, it really doesn't have the same ring mm, as Safe Banking Act or the More <laughs> yeah, Act. Exactly. But what's most interesting about this bill is that um, we have mostly had a lot of luck on the House side first, and it kind yeah. of stalls in the Senate, much like everything even non-cannabis does. Mm-hmm. But in this case, on the Senate side, uh, Majority Leader Schumer. Senator Cory Booker and Ron Wyden from Oregon, they they introduced back in July this bill on the Senate side, and they introduced it as a draft legislation. So what that means is they wanted feedback from the public, from us, from NCIA, from our members. They wanted to hear what's wrong with the bill, what's right with the bill, what changes need to be made. Of course, you know, there's 
quite a few things in there that we have offered criticism of, like this tax rate that would be increased over the course of several years to yeah. the point where it would just drown businesses. And, you yeah. know, we're, we're trying to fix 280E here, not, not make, <laughs> make it worse. It worse. So, yeah. um, so that's something that we're definitely taking a close look at. But one thing we are excited about with the goals of this bill is to help with the social equity piece. So mm. especially black and brown Americans who have been victims of the war on drugs, yeah. reversing this really, really important part of the cannabis industry to include things like restorative measures for people who were unfairly targeted. I mean, expungement of federal nonviolent marijuana crimes, the ability for these individuals, even if they have maybe had a a smaller, um, you know, cannabis infraction, that shouldn't bar them from working in the industry that is now yeah. established. That, like, like, that one always gets me. <laughs> it's like you're, all the people that actually know how to grow cannabis and process cannabis are now can't work in cannabis, right? It seems sure. like a really kind of backwards kind of policy around that. Oh yeah. So so that's you know we NCIA has a social equity program, um, a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. So. We, our DEI manager, Mike Lamuto, is doing a great job Mm -hmm. uh, really bringing together new social equity cannabis applicants and bringing them into our social equity program here at NCIA as well. So really looking at federal legislation that matches what we're trying to do on a programming level here at NCIA as well is encouraging. So, you know, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly with this bill, but, (laughs) you know, we submitted dozens and dozens of pages of feedback, not just the folks in our DC office, but they consulted our board of directors, our policy council, all of our individual 14 committees. So everyone was given an opportunity to provide feedback, which they put together in this really nice comprehensive way. And you can download what we sent to the Senate off of our website. It's in our industry reports area of our website. And there's an executive summary as well as the longer document. And for the for the number crunchers, there's an economic <laughs> analysis as well uh, that Bo Whitney, who's an economics expert, he's been working with us lately. So it was nice to get an analysis of the economic impacts of the bill as well. So that's that's for the number crunchers. That's great. I'll make sure that are links to uh, to that page in our show notes so people can get that information. Um, where where are we? I mean, I, you know, everyone's kind of clamoring for federal, you know, either descheduling or uh, rescheduling legalization. But what is the industry really kind of? What's the take? Because I, I I get I get kind of mixed <laughs> mixed messages from some folks. And some people are like, yeah, we want we want you know we want to make it federally legal. Other folks are like, mm, actually, you know, we put a lot of money into these state programs. I'm not sure we want to go totally federally legal right away. I mean, how, how, how is the NCIA kind of approaching this? One hand, you know, yeah, dealing with, with the federal legalization issue and all the problems it causes, but on the other hand, kind of helping the industry with kind of, you know, what will be a fairly dramatic transformation should we, you know, end up in that situation? How do you balance that? Uh, that's an interesting question. And I really want to point to some of the thought leadership that our committees have been doing this last year in particular. Yeah. I hear a lot about future-proofing. It's uh, a, a phrase or a, a word I hadn't hadn't really heard before until all of their papers and blogs and <laughs> and stuff started coming through that I, I published for them. 
So what's interesting is they're already thinking about federal legalization. They're already thinking about what happens when the FDA yeah, comes exactly. comes and opens up the door. The idea is <laughs> we, yeah, it's like, well, we kind of want them to look around and be like, oh, hey, you guys are actually pretty tip top shape around here. Good job. Yep. Um, no, no changes. I mean, that's yep. kind of un- <laughs> check. <laughs> check. No, I mean, it's un- unrealistic to, to think yeah. it'll be perfect, but, um, you know, we can look to other standards. Um, there, there's standards development. I'm sure we all know about SOPs, standard mm-hmm. operating procedures. Many licenses or licensee applicants have to submit these before they're even awarded the license about how you're going to run your business and stay compliant. Now, at the state level, those are still evolving as well. So states are like learning their lessons, adjusting the laws, looking to other states, seeing what mistakes they made, see what's working. So, I mean, we still have quite a few more states to go. So kind of hoping to see a little bit more standardization. For example, we didn't really see any social equity provisions in these state laws until the state of Massachusetts actually wrote that in there. Yeah. So that was a game changer for states coming online rather than it being an afterthought. So we're starting to see more of that in newer states coming coming into the fold here as they're considering what laws they want to make. So laws can be changed, which is great. So mm-hmm. if it's not working, it takes some work, but it can certainly be changed. So when we're looking at federal, you know, keeping it as simple as possible wherever possible is probably a good goal, but following standards that are already set in place for other similar industries, ranging from agriculture to food safety, we already see a lot of standards here. Um, In fact, a couple of our committees are working with this organization called the ASTM. It's an international organization of standards development. And sometimes the federal government looks to them and says, okay, if that's the standard that this organization has set, we'll just follow that. So again, like no need to reinvent the wheel. There's, There's guidance out there. It just needs to be tweaked a little bit for ourselves. And of course, we're a little too heavily regulated to begin with. So, you know, let's back the hazmat suits off a little bit and let's try to, (laughs) you know, get this treated a little bit more like a regular industry that, you know, is responsible, that is staying compliant, that absolutely has public safety in, in their minds and in their business models. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned a couple of committees that you've got in the organization and what they're working on. Kind of run us through, like, what what are the committees, like, what are the areas of focus that you have and, and what are they working on right now? Give us a little highlight. Yeah, absolutely. So we have some of the committees you would expect, like a retail committee, uh, a hemp committee, um, a cannabis manufacturing, a cannabis cultivation committee. We also have a risk management and insurance committee. Now, they're really looking at, you know, how to prevent you getting sued (laughs) in addition to what to do if you do get sued. Um, Banking and financial services, marketing and advertising. Of course, we have a lot of marketing and advertising restrictions as well, similar to, you know, the beer and tobacco industry. And packaging and labeling is something where, you know, sometimes I, that's another committee, packaging and labeling. So, of course, you have to label everything, not make any health claims that aren't true. But also the childproofing is kind of funny for me. So I'm about to go buy another cartridge for my vape pen. And I'm just curious 
if it's going to be Bethany proof also. Yeah, I, I don't say, know. We, we talk about adult proofing things too. <laughs> yeah, it, totally. So, I mean, and I, I mentioned our diversity, equity, and inclusion committee as well. Uh, we have a human resources committee as, as we're beginning to manage larger and larger staff and workforce and, you know, mm-hmm. following all the same rules. I really think the scientific advisory committee is super fascinating as well as the state regulations committee. So those are just a few of our committees. There's also a hemp committee um, and an education committee. So there's 14 total and they're yeah. all made up of several NCIA members that have decided to contribute and, you know, work together with their committees to create thought leadership and standardization and best practices. Tell me about some of the events. I mean, you mentioned you've got uh, December, you've got a couple going. What? How do events work? How do you choose what events to do? What's? I mean, obviously we're kind of coming out of this, or hopefully coming out of this COVID situation, but like, how, how does the calendar look and, and what do you hope to do achieve with them? Sure, yeah. So we had our last trade show pre-COVID at the end of February in 2020 in Boston. Okay. That was the last time we were on a trade show floor pre-COVID. So yep. we obviously did the right thing and stopped hosting all of our events. We canceled our trade shows. We canceled our regional networking events, the cannabis caucuses and the industry socials that are more like the evening networking reception events for members. And we hunkered down and focused on our digital education and offerings like webinars and and, um, things like that. So now uh, we're just coming off the heels of uh, our Detroit trade show, the Midwest Cannabis Business Conference, where, you know, of course, we we only thought it was safe to plan these trade shows in the summer when things started to look like they were. (laughs) Yeah, opening up a little bit. This is pre-Delta variant. (laughs) So, So then we said, gosh, well, you know, plenty of people are vaccinated. Plenty of people know to wear masks you know, let's see what the the city and the venue are requiring. So they do require masks. They didn't require proof of vaccination. Highly encouraged to be vaccinated. Highly encouraged to come with a negative COVID test. And hand sanitizer stations all throughout the venue. Wider aisles in the expo floor so you can social distance a little more. And masks are required in the venue the whole time. So that's that's how we're doing this again and yep. you know the so sure I'll, I'll just be honest we were a little worried that like oh yeah. no that we, <laughs> covid's really not over yet what are we doing but just stupid people um, thought it was safe yeah so but of course yeah. um most people in cannabis register at the last minute so everything was okay <laughs> and we yeah. had a great show so our cannabis business summit and expo this is our big one this is like our national show mm-hmm. so of course we would typically hold it in the summer but you know we had to hustle and pivot with covid so in the future we'll host it in the summer again but as far as this year goes it will be in the middle of december in san francisco at the moscone center and it'll be all the same great, very well vetted education and panels and keynotes and an awesome expo floor and all that. It's just, you know, we just have to be a little bit safer. And then as we make our way through this winter and and all that, we'll, we'll be assessing. And 
I'm sure it's, you know, I'm a planner. I'm a Virgo. I like to know what I'm doing. Um, I have, I'm a project manager. So like I've got all this. So, but it's very difficult to see into the future right now. So that can be a bit frustrating. Yeah, I'm sure. So tell people more about how to get involved in the NCIA. Like what's the process? Why would you consider? Like what are the benefits? Give us a little overview of of what what membership entails. Sure. Um, Actually, we retooled our membership packages uh, last earlier in the year to keep up with the times. So we had we have still have three membership levels, but our top tier membership level is called Evergreen now, and this is really for companies who want to get elbow deep in the policy process, who want a little bit of white glove treatment from our mm-hmm. government relations team, and who, you know, some of the benefits of being evergreen is, you know, some just some more VIP kind of opportunities, some promotional opportunities. And the idea that you'll be updated by our GR department before others, there's exclusive webinars you can get involved in. We we can help facilitate meetings with key congressional offices as well. I also very much miss our Lobby Days event, and I have no idea oh, yeah. when we're going to be able to go back and do that, considering, mm-hmm. you know, there's fencing going up and down around the Capitol and everything. But so our new membership tiers are really beautiful, and there's a really beautiful chart on our website as well that goes through all the benefits of what you get. But I'd like to describe our membership as if you're in the cannabis industry, definitely be a part of NCIA. We are representing you in the halls of Congress 365, 24, se- well, not 24 seven, we do sleep, but, um, <laughs> you know, and we have a lot of opportunities to get your name out there, yeah. to put yourself out there as a thought leader, to, share what's going on with your company. If you're a member, there's like free tickets to events or discounted tickets to events or content opportunities like sponsoring a webinar or hosting a webinar or being on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice podcast or contributing educational written blog content or serving on a committee or speaking at an event or it, you know the list kind of goes on. There's the warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart of being part of the organization that's fighting for the whole industry's behalf. But there's also some bottom line ROI benefits as well to make sure you're running your business the best you can. We, We pride ourselves on the amount of resources that we collectively can offer the industry. So and plus networking, there's there's some lifelong friends that I have made in the industry as well through virtue of their membership in my role at NCIA. So coming to NCIA events is starting to feel like the family reunion that you're not uh, <laughs> that you're not yeah. uh, worried about going to. You're like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't wait <laughs> that, to see. That you like going to, <laughs> yeah, like I like going to it. I can't wait to see this person and this person and this person and. Um, so yeah, I, I, we have over a thousand companies across the country and, and a few in Canada as well that are members of NCIA. So there's just a lot of benefits. And like I said, there's that chart on the website that can give you a rundown. And, and of course our membership department would be happy to chat with anybody, uh, to give them more insight, answer any specific questions that might come up. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very, very reasonable kind of price points, and and um, having been a member for a little while now, it's 
uh, there's some great opportunities. You know, it's one of those you get out of it what you put into it. <laughs> like any mm. like any organization, if you if you get active and really you can easily recoup, uh, you know, all your fees and then and then a lot more uh, if you really use it. So yeah, I highly encourage people to check it out. If people do want to find out more, want to find out more about membership, about the organization overall, what's the best way to get that information? Our website is a great place, uh, thecannabisindustry.org, thecannabisindustry.org. Also, our social media channels. I got to give a shout out to my teammate, Vince Chandler, who's our digital uh-huh. content strategist. He's really made all of our social media channels come even more alive uh, than I could have done when I was wearing four or five hats, including trying to manage our social media. So he's got some great creativity. And, you know, I love the, in addition to the education and best practices and all that fun stuff, the storytelling is something um, I really get into. We're, we, we used to go around and film member spotlights of our direct-to-plant members. Of course, travel is, is a whole different thing right yeah. now, so we're not. But we're starting to feature our social equity scholarship recipient members who are part of our, that program. So once a month, there's a written blog with like learn more about next level edibles and what his journey was like as a social equity applicant getting into the industry and starting his company and being a part of the community in Oakland and I I really love the human element of our industry as well as you know all the science and technology and and futurism as well. Yeah. Now, it's been a pleasure. Bethany, I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes here. Uh, and so people can get that information and click on it and check out membership opportunities. I highly encourage people to do that. And Bethany, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure for me as well. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.